On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, you may think the 19-36 and 36 Toronto Raptors have nothing left to play for down the stretch, but there is where you are wrong. We discuss why coming up on today's show. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Tuesday, February the 20th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can find all my work over on the Very Bad website, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Locked On Raptors, and of course, you can join us in the Locked On Raptors Discord server. The link is in the description of the podcast. It's free to join, and we would love to see you in there. It's a great place to come hang out among friends who are just as afflicted with Toronto Raptors fandom as you. Again, free to join. We'd love to see you join our little listener community over there at the link in the description of the podcast. Of course, you can find the show for free wherever you get your podcast. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. It's much appreciated when you support the show. However, you support the show on the audio side of things. And of course, you can support the video side of things as well. We are 10 subscribers away from 4,000. Make me feel good, please. Just go subscribe. Even if you don't watch the videos, just subscribe. Juice the stats. Make me feel good. Get that round number that we all like so much. And I will be forever indebted to you. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars and we get rolling here we're back from the long weekend happily happy family day to happily family day god i can't speak words it's been a while since i spoke into a microphone therefore i'm rusty either way Hope everyone had a great weekend. Hope everyone enjoyed All-Star Weekend, uh, a hilarious dunk contest in which Jalen Brown was embarrassing. You love that entirely. That's just beautiful stuff. Um, but we'll, we'll probably not spend too much time talking about All-Star today. We're going to dig into the things we want to see out of the Toronto Raptors down the stretch here over a two-part episode because there's lots of stuff we want to see from this not very good basketball team as it turns out. And here to do all that with me is our pal Vivek Jacob from Sportsnet and, of course, his new Substack newsletter, Raptors in 7. Big V, how the hell are you, pal? I'm doing great. Thanks for the plug. Fresh oh, the first long. of many, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, enjoyed the long weekend, enjoyed the three-point contest, did not enjoy very much else. Um, <laughs> so shout out Mac McClung for fighting all the rigging the nba tried to do <laughs> just get this guy out of here please we can't we can't be having a guy who hasn't played an nba game in two seasons doing the dunk contest for a third year in a row alas we'll see mac mcclung again next year and maybe for the rest of time uh that said you know as much as i don't think his dunk contest this year was as impressive as last year i do think the one where he kind of threw it to himself midair was sick as hell so that to me made the dunk contest worth it all it takes is one cool dunk uh, and also, like I said, Jalen Brown won trying to do the D Brown uh, like tribute dunk and not covering his eyes until two feet were firmly planted on the ground. 
Mwah. Outstanding. Maybe the funniest dunk since the John Collins airplane dunk. And then being like, okay, no one thinks I have a left left hand. I'm going to put this glove on to prove I have a left hand and not do a single dribble with said left hand, therefore dispro- not disproving the thing that he was airing the grievance about. Absolutely fantastic. I would expect nothing less from a Boston Celtic, and that alone made the dunk contest worth it for me. Um, Big V, we'll get if, into... Yeah, go ahead. What I was going to say, if Aaron Gordon put a glove like that on, he'd probably moonwalk in the air and then dunk it. <laughs> Oh, man, just uh, the thing about the dunk contest is everyone says, oh, you got to fix it. But even when it's bad, it's good television, man. And we don't need to fix everything. Uh, Sometimes a disaster show is exactly what we want. It's why we like Love Island and other bad reality television shows. Love is Blind is the most watched thing in the world. The dunk contest is basically basketball. Love is Blind. Accept it for what it is. Um, Did you have any stray thoughts on Scotty's performance on All-Star Weekend uh, before we dive into stuff we want to see down the stretch from this team? Obviously, uh, you know, I think he ended up having the best single score in the shooting round of the skills challenge. That's pretty fun. Um, he had a decent game, couple nice dunks, couple threes back to back in the all-star game. Did I watch the whole all-star game? Absolutely not, but I caught the highlights. Uh, thoughts on Scotty and his debut all-star performance. It's a good performance is, uh, about all you could hope for, uh, in a debut, mm, you know, 16 and eight and had fun out there. A couple nice dunks and, uh, a couple threes. And so, yeah, a fun weekend for him. Uh, it would have been absolutely spectacular if if his uh, you know behind the back half court heave went in. <laughs> it's, it's competition, but you know it was good to see him just kind of be himself. You know, kind of uh, enjoy the weekend. Didn't seem even if he was nervous, it, it didn't seem to show. Mm-hmm. Um, some might argue differently when he dribbled it out of bounds, but <laughs> we'll ignore that. <laughs> Look, no one knew how that was working. And frankly, <laughs> very disappointed at the revamped skills challenge still being a dud format-wise. I, we talked about it at length on Friday with Joey Devine. It was pretty hopeful that the sort of moving targets would make a little bit of intrigue. It just turns out that the moving targets were also as large as an entire basketball court to throw passes through. So kind of <laughs> nuked the drama that the moving targets could have presented um, shout out the pacers thinking on the fly though that it, yeah to, to be like hey screw the twos because uh, when they got what was it 92 yeah just like, to beat Man. team all-star yeah yeah i was like i don't know how you're gonna beat that and then that strategy to just be like okay let's forget about the twos we're just going for fours and sixes playing a little cricket but <laughs> <laughs> it worked out I mean, it's just the natural progression, right? The NBA, everyone realizes threes are worth more than twos. And then in skills challenges, everyone realizes fours and sixes are worth more than twos. It's a tough state of affair for the humble two-pointer, no matter how you look (laughs) at it in the world of basketball. Uh, And yeah, just kind of closing thought on Scotty. I I thought in general, uh, like he's the type of dude who's going to have a lot of fun with all-star over the years. Right. And I think that's the exact type of guy you want. He kind of knows it's a joke. And if you're in on the joke and you're having fun with it and not taking it too damn seriously, I think that's the recipe for a really fun all-star. He does cool dunks. He throws cool passes. He tries behind the back shots in, you know, otherwise, you know, considered serious contests. It's great. Uh, I, I hope we see Scotty Barnes there 
many, many years to come. And I'm sure we will. And, you know, we'll, we'll have all of the sort of it's all I have really on all star. I don't have any sort of grand thoughts about the state of the game after the Eastern Conference scored 211 points. I think if that is where you're at right now, take a vacation, touch grass. You don't need to always think about the state of the league and use the, the game that's for Kia executives and children and Indiana Pacers fans only to, uh, you know, shape your critiques of the entire enterprise of the NBA. And that's my kind of closing thought on that. Uh, Big V, we have other business to get to on today's show. We are going to take a look at the stretch run for the Toronto Raptors. They're 19 and 36, means they have, what, 25 games left to play on the schedule. And those games are, you know, kind of meaningless when it comes to the standings and winning anything of note for the Raptors this season, barring some crazy finish down the stretch and a hilarious collapse by the Atlanta Hawks. But... There is still stuff to be gleaned from the last 25 games of Toronto Raptors basketball. We're going to examine that. It might even be 27 games. My 27. math might be up. Yep. It is 27. Aha. <laughs> Mental math on the fly while recording a podcast. Not my thing, but coming up with stuff I want to see from the Raptors down the stretch, I would say that's kind of my thing. And it's big V's too. We're going to get to that coming up on the other side. We'll get to that in just one sec. But first, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks, the single best place to go and play daily fantasy sports. All you got to do is pick more or less on stat projections for your favorite players and your favorite leagues and watch the winnings roll in. It's just two to six players on an entry. If you get all six right, you're going to rake in that cake. But it's demon time right now on Prize Picks, which means you can now win up to even more money, a hundred times your money, that is, with as little as four correct picks you can turn 10 bucks into a thousand dollars demons and goblins are the newest and most exciting way to play at prize picks squares marked with red demons or green goblins get you different payouts you can now win up to 100 times your money with as little as four correct picks it's a perfect place to da play daily fantasy sports for anyone who is not spider-man go to prizepicks.com slash locked in nba use the code locked in nba for first deposit match up to 100 that's again prizepicks.com slash locked in nba code locked on nba for a first deposit match up to $100 with prize picks. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. And we continue on here. Your first listen of the day. Big V, Vivek Jacob from Sportsnet and Raptors in 7. The new Substack newsletter is here as we tee up the remainder of the Toronto Raptors season with a two-part episode. We got more coming for you tomorrow, baby. Um, so Big V, let's, uh, let, let's dive in. We're just going to go back and forth here. We've concocted lists of things we want to see out of the Toronto Raptors down the stretch of the year. We will alternate back and forth segment for segment through the next episode in two thirds between today and tomorrow. I will give you the floor, sir. What is your number one thing that you're hoping to see from the Toronto Raptors down the stretch of this here season? More action between Scotty Barnes and Emmanuel quickly. Please, please. <laughs> I'm starving. <laughs> You know, I, I think we all still kind of the OKC game is very recent in our memory and to just not see them involved uh, together in the fourth mm -hmm. quarter in overtime, um, that kind of leaves you in the middle of nowhere, right? It's like, hey, you've taken this direction for a reason. Mm -hmm. Let's see it in action. And so I think uh, whether it's, Barnes as a screen setter, whether it's IQ as a screen setter, um, you want to see those two developing chemistry. They are the two main faces going forward. And so the sooner you can accelerate that, the better. Um, I think we've seen 
more success so far with IQ as the screener. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I do feel like working on the other, uh, working on it inverted uh, is going to be important as well. And so, uh, yeah, I, th I think that's probably top of mind. I am 100% with you. It was the first thing I wrote down on my list of things as well. And I think, look, we've seen little glimpses of it and little moments where it's been like, oh, okay, this can work. I think the Kings game stands out as sort of the the best example so far of Scotty and IQ working in tandem and sort of leveraging their very complementary skills into really good offense. And that Kings game was like a wonderful game for the Raptors. Obviously, they lost, but they came back big in the second half. And those two dudes were very much caught up in a lot of the actions. And look, I, I understand why there maybe hasn't been sort of like a spamming of the IQ Scotty stuff. Obviously, they're working in RJ Barrett as well. There's lots of different actions involving him. The IQ Pirtle pick and roll has just been pretty stable and reliable as a backbone play as well. And so I, I get it. You know, the spacing issues with, with Pirtle and Barnes together, you have to massage that a little bit. Although I do think just kind of sticking Yak in the dunker spot to take advantage of, you know, short roll passes from Scotty or there for laydowns from quickly if he gets downhill. Like, there's a lot you can do with that. Yaka Pirtle is one of the best dunker spot players in the league with that little push shot he has and his touch around the rim. And so I do think there are ways to work the spacing in a way that really complements them. And frankly, Barnes and quickly on their own, working together, create spacing for one another. And it's just, it's not like they're, you know, this isn't like Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert taking a long time to figure out how to work with one another, right? Because their skill sets overlap there or, or someone's learning a new position or whatever. Like you would think that quickly in Barnes and their skills could mesh basically instantaneously. And we haven't really seen them tap into it all that much. Uh, when you look at sort of how they've fared just as a duo so far this year uh, on the floor, I mean, the numbers for like the big four on the floor together are excellent. Like quickly Barnes, Pirtle, and uh and bear it together they're running teams off the floor and it's great to see if you isolate just for quickly plus barnes as an on-court duo it's a minus 2.5 differential per 100 and their offensive rating is just 115.9 which is 49th percentile for clean the glass very middle of the road you would hope that those two guys and the dynamism they bring could be a little bit more um you know sort of front and center in these lineups and help prop up the lineups they're playing in together. And it really requires Jakob Pertl to be there for them to have any kind of, uh, you know, effectiveness so far. Um, are there specific types of actions? You mentioned the pick and roll stuff, but is there any stuff you'd like to see quickly in Barnes kind of get mixed up in together? Um, so one thing I quickly want to flip is because this is what happens when you record after a long weekend is I think <laughs> I said earlier that it was better with Barnes screening, but it actually has been better with quickly as a screener. Yeah. Um, and so they've got to improve the other aspect where it's the traditional barn setting the screen. Sure. Um, uh, I think, you know, the interesting wrinkle, uh, you know, obviously you mentioned Jakob Pertl, um, but I think when you have someone like uh, Kelly Olenek, I think going into that five out offense uh, at times, I think that's where you could really see this blossom, right? Mm -hmm. I, I think, mm -hmm. Um, we've seen secondary units now. We've seen Barnes with the bench. We recently saw quickly with the bench. Um, and so I think if we can get little flashes of Ellie in there, um, and this is actually going to be one of the other things I want to see. Uh, and so 
getting those actions where you've got Kelly as such a good passer. Obviously, Yak's a good passer as well. But along with the spacing, um, I think just in general, just playing some five-out basketball with those two as your primaries is what I'd want to see more of. Yeah, I, I you know there will be defensive concerns, but the team's bad at defense anyway. So what does it matter? Like, see if you can kind of spam your offense to lift your boat a little bit. I think that's a great call. I also think I want to see you know that we've talked about the traditional pick and roll stuff with Barnes and quickly, but I would love to see a little bit more leaning into handoff stuff between the two. Um, I just think the gravity that quickly has as a catch and shoot guy, as a movement shooter, as someone who was one of the best above the break shooters in all of basketball. That can only mean good things for IQ Scotty actions. It's going to open up a ton, you would think, for Scotty going to the rim. Or, you know, if teams are going to sell it to stop Scotty and keep them sort of from getting to the rim in those keeper plays, then all of a sudden you've got Emmanuel Quickly, one of the best above the break three point shooters in basketball, springing open for wide open looks. And what has been the thing we've talked about with Quickly so far this year, you know, as a Raptor, is he's not shooting enough threes, right? The volume's just not been there on a consistent enough basis. And I, I think there is certainly some element of he just has to pull it a little bit more eagerly when he's running typical pick and roll with, say, Yaka Pirtle. You'll see him kind of get into the space and then think and then look like he's going to shoot and then kind of reconsider. You know, he's got to take those more, but they're also not really springing him open for a ton of looks, you know, outside of traditional pick and roll, right? And so if they can do that with Scotty, work those dribble handoff actions and really use the gravity of Scotty going to the rim and scoring, which he's shown he has a great capacity for in concert with Quickly's movement shooting and the shooting gravity he has. I, I mean, I, I just think that's going to be instant buckets for the Raptors. And I want to see that massaged a little bit more. And, and look, are, are you at all? I think a lot of this is just, it's still very new. Quickly missed some time. The team has been in disarray. They finally actually have a group together to close the season with where we know what the group is going to be. Is there anything you've seen with Quickly and Barnes that leaves you concerned about the sort of long-term viability of the duo? Or is this more just a sort of still the feeling out process between two very talented players who will eventually figure it out? Yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned long-term. Uh, I think this is very much in the growing pain stage. This is very much in the learning each other and understanding each other uh, phase. So mm -hmm. I'm not concerned about that at all. I, I think the theoretical fit is still very very strong and so um you probably just haven't gone uh, you know too far down the road in, in terms of letting these two figure stuff out mm -hmm. uh you know i think there's been stretches where you know you don't want to see guys get frustrated and whether it's not being involved in the action or again kind of referencing that okc game um or whatever it may be and so i do think uh Yes, absolutely. On the one side, you want to see as much of Quickly and Barnes in action together. Uh, at the same time, it's like, hey, if, if that's not where we're running, let's make it work, you know? Yeah. And like they can still help one another, even if they're not directly running actions with each other, right? Like Scotty's been an excellent spot up player this season. Quickly gets yep. downhill. He's turned into a really nice playmaker. That's been the thing about his game that's really popped very early is he's got that sort of point guard gene it seems and so you know there's second side stuff that scotty can do working off of the initial advantage quickly is creating with the drive you know quickly obviously as just a movement shooter as a catch and shoot guy in the corners above the break there's plenty to be leveraged out of scotty barnes as like a post-up guy right we've seen it before scotty posts up on say the right block 
couple guys come. He's throwing a cross-court pass to quickly across to the other wing, and it's cash. Like, we can still see more of that as well, where it's not two guys sort of directly working in concert with one another, and their skills still complementing one another. So I, I, I'm not concerned either. I do think there needs to be a focus on it down the stretch, though, and I would like to see, okay, let's for this stretch of the second quarter, let's spam Barnes quickly actions to just see what comes out of it. I would like to see some sort of dedicated stretches of games given to that combination in particular. And then, you know, hopefully you go into next season and it's more something where you can kind of do it more organically and have it be more on the fly as the comfort level's been sort of established and the foundation's been laid over the course of the last 27 games here. Um, the yeah. last thing I will say is, you know, if you're looking at it defensively, are there any concerns? I think the concern is more so if RJ is the long-term third guy, yeah, then defensively I do have concerns because he isn't at the level mm -hmm. uh, that can validate that big three, right? Like, I mean, we saw when you're giving up, was it 46 to Miles Bridges? <laughs> no. <laughs> that's, yeah. Uh, that's not a great, uh, you know, forecast uh, of what's to come. Uh, I think... Yeah, just if you look at the ideal prototype, then if you're looking at quickly, who is looking like a very good team defender, mm -hmm. maybe not so much as an on ball on ball defender. When you look at Scotty, he's better in the back line than defending the perimeter, um, though he has improved at defending the perimeter this season. Uh, then I think that third perimeter guy absolutely has to be an on ball guy, right? And so 100%. I think I think that's where RJ long term when you look at it is like okay he has to improve um at being able to defend primary actions on the perimeter and you would think with how like physical and bruising he is on offense he was he has like the physical attributes to do it defensively um it, it is weird he kind of just gets like knocked off his spot by guys who are ostensibly dudes he would bully on the other end of the floor it's kind of strange right. but we'll see you know you know i i think barrett's had moments of pretty high level defense in his career early in his career in particular with the knicks like i don't think it's not there mm -hmm. but certainly and we'll talk i think on tomorrow's episode you know i Defense in general, I think, is a very, very interesting thing to watch down the stretch for this whole team. And yeah, to your point, like quickly, probably not a great on-ball defender, but the kind of defender you can totally live with as your starting point guard if the rest of the infrastructure of the team is in place. And yeah, yeah to your point, having an on-ball guy to allow Scotty to not be an on-ball guy, pretty essential because Scotty is actively not good at the on-ball stuff while actively one of the best in the NBA at the off-ball stuff. And you want to try to maximize them there, no doubt. Uh, but we'll leave that there for now. We'll come back on the other side, get into my first thing I really want to see down the stretch, which is uh, more Grady Dick playing with the best Toronto Raptors. We will get to that coming up in just one second. Today's show is sponsored by Better Help. And look, sometimes we all need the opportunity to just get something off of our chest. Big or small, certain things can really start to get to you. And it's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your life, doesn't have any ulterior motives or agendas. They're just there to listen to you and help you understand what you're going through, help you cope with what you're going through and become a better you and move forward with your life. It's a tough time of year, right? The weather is not very good. You, maybe you're going through some kind of career change or you just want to have a little bit more sort of TLC given to one of your relationships. All of that can be helped 
by going into therapy. I know a lot of people who have really benefited from therapy. Therapy can differ for everyone as well. So most of us, while we have bigger problems than our favorite sports teams issues, it's still very important to get everything off your chest once in a while. If you're start, if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. Uh, you can visit betterhelp.com slash locked in NBA to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. Go check it out. BetterHelp is there for you to help you become a better version of yourself. And we continue on here, rounding up the show with our pal Big V, Vivek Jacob from Sportsnet and his new Substack newsletter, Raptors in 7. Uh, just a heads up, go check out the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 feed over on YouTube. You can subscribe to it 24-7, Locked On shows on a continuous loop covering the biggest stories with the national shows and, of course, the local shows covering all those biggest stories from the local angle that only Locked On podcasts can provide. Go check it out, Locked On Sports Today 24-7. All right, Big V. Let's get to my first thing I really want to see down the stretch of the season for the Toronto Raptors. It's all been very exciting with Grady Dick of late. He's getting mentioned on the low post when they're talking about rookies who are doing stuff. You know you've made the big time when that happens, baby. Um, you know, he obviously has been red hot from deep. He's finishing through contact at the rim like he's prime, I don't know, Jason Richardson. It's ridiculous what he's doing around the rim right now. Um, very small sample, of course, but... There's a lot of really in intriguing and encouraging signs from Grady Dick so far. One thing we have not seen is very much Grady Dick playing with the best players on the Toronto Raptors. And I think this is something that needs to be rectified down the stretch. I, you know, we'll get into the concept of him starting. I know people have opinions on that. And maybe that is the move eventually to just get him in there and start him alongside the BBQ trio and Jakob Pertl. But one way or another, I, I think having Grady Dick play alongside the best players on the Raptors not only is going to help Grady Dick because, you know, the looks are going to be easier for him. The sort of defensive context will probably be easier having a guy like Yaka Pirtle as a backline defender, Scotty Barnes behind him as a backline defender. But I also think his effect as a player, the ball movement, the sort of secondary driving and creating, the three-point shooting, obviously – I, I think that has an amplifying effect that could take a, a quartet of guys who have already been very good with one another and kind of expand it even more. We have yet to see a single minute of Grady Dick playing alongside quickly Barrett, Barnes, and Pirtle. Big V, is this also something you are excited to see and hopeful to see down the stretch? Yes, 100%. I think uh, Grady is trending in a very positive direction. I don't think there's a long-term outlook as far as uh, Gary Trent Jr. in the starting lineup. So, mm -hmm. again, as we're in this period of learning as much as we can and getting a young guy's opportunities, why not throw Grady Dick in there? Um, heck, I've, I've said this before on the show. If it's not going to be Grady, I would even prefer seeing Ochai Abaji in the starting lineup. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> I think as far as addressing long-term and tying in what I said about, hey, you want someone in that starting five who can be an on-ball perimeter defender. You know, I think even Ochai makes more sense than uh, a Gary. But uh, I would put Grady at the to uh, top of the list in terms of candidates to start and just seeing what that looks like. Uh, and then I would put Ochai and then Gary. So hopefully, you know, we see some changes coming soon. So I hear you. I'm curious how much you care about this number. The Raptors starting five with Gary Trent Jr., quickly Trent, Barrett, Barnes, Pirtle. 213 possessions played together now on Clean the Glass. 
a plus 12.1 net rating with an offense that is 122, 121.6 offensive rating. The defense, 109.5, which is perfectly passable at this point. It's uh, you know upper half of the league, 66 percentile. That lineup has been pretty good. Obviously, the wins have not been, you know, coming along with it. But is there anything in there? Like, how much do you care about that number? Scale of 1 to 10, how much does it move you as, you know, sort of someone who doesn't want to see that changed and says, oh, yeah, like, it's been really good. Why fix what ain't broke? Like, is there anything in there that makes you want to see more of Gary Trent Jr. with the starters? Or is it like a thing where 213 possessions? Okay, that's enough. That works. We can move that aside. We know that's an okay lineup if you want to go to it. Where do you fall on how much that plus 12.1 net rating for the starters actually matters right now? Yeah, obviously it's been a big plus. Um, but I think at this stage of the season and based on the moves that have been made, uh, the primary goal is development. And I think that with Gary, you're just in a situation where uh, even GM Bobby Webster is asked about him and says, hey, it's a bit up in the air with Gary. Yeah. Uh, and it's TBD, right? So uh, when you know that you're kind of investing in Grady for the long term, um, maybe to a greater extent than Gary, at least with Ochai, I think those are the questions I'd rather see answered. Um, and your point it's like yeah okay we know what gary brings to the table of the starting lineup yeah mm -hmm. he's still a young player uh, and the raptors may well just resign him but i i do think you've got an opportunity right now with the record being what it is and not having short-term goals of you know trying to be in the playoffs and be successful in the playoffs um that you might as well find this stuff out right maybe mm -hmm. you know if he if gary ends up resigning and then you go into next season, it's like, okay, maybe you, you do look at it more seriously. And then, you know, that plus 12 in the starting lineup does become more of a factor because you're starting fresh and you're saying, okay, let's see what this team can be right out mm -hmm. the gate. Mm -hmm. You're trying to actually maximize minutes, which I think now you're <laughs> trying to maximize like just developmental reps more than anything else. I I'm with you. Yep. Uh, I think that number is nice. It it's, it's interesting. I would also have no qualms if they started Grady Dick on Thursday against the Nets in place of Gary Trent Jr. And, and just see what there is. You know, I guess the sort of counterpoint to that is, is it too much too fast for Grady Dick, who had a really slow start to his rookie year? The first half was basically a lost cause. Then he comes in and is playing nice basketball over the last 15, 20 games, whatever it's been now. And it's been nice. It's not been perfect. There have been nights where he's been cold or whatever it's been, but you know, is there a concern that if you level them up to 28, 30 minutes down the stretch with the starters that you kind of da risk damaging the growth he's had? Like, is, is it a possibility that it's too much too fast? Does that concern you in any way whatsoever? It's definitely possible. Um, but, but at the same time, right, you're in the stage of trying to find out, right? Mm -hmm. And I think uh, he's done enough to validate being considered for the starting job. and. Again, this is where I'll go back to if you do think it's too much too soon for him and you want to keep him comfortable in that bench spot, I would still rather ask the question of, hey, what does an Ochai Abaji look like uh, mm -hmm. next to these guys? And what does how does it benefit a quickly and a Barnes and a Barrett to have that uh, you know perimeter defender? Mm -hmm. And so I, I'd rather 
get somewhat of an idea um, or an answer to those questions, then uh, what's kind of a known quantity with Gary? Yeah, I'm with you. I don't think you could, you know, ruin Grady Dick's career by playing him with the good players down the stretch of the season. I, I think, <laughs> um, you know, there's there's a risk that it's a little too much too fast. And then it's like, OK, we'll scale it back a little bit. It's not like you put him too much too fast and then you break him and he's unfixable or anything like that. I'm with you. I'm less intrigued by the Ochai starting thing as you than you seem to be. You're a little Ochai sicko, apparently. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just give me Ochai in there, baby. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's, it wouldn't hurt to get a look there either. Even if I am not terribly thrilled by what we've seen so far here with 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 Abaji, I, I do think he probably factors into another one of our sort of things we want to see down the stretch coming up in tomorrow's episode. So we will leave it there for now big v thanks so much for hanging out buddy this was great we'll see you again tomorrow i'll see you again in six minutes when we start recording part two um but do you have anything you want to promote for the good people out there right now uh well quickly for sportsnet i do have a piece coming out on the 65 game rule and coming down the stretch which players are already out of the running obviously it's joel Embiid, mm -hmm. uh kyrie irving jimmy butler Draymond Green, they're not going to be getting any awards at the end of the season. Uh, and then just looking at the guys who are kind of at risk and, you know, your sort of Tyrese Halliburton's of the world and whatnot. So you can look out for that on Sportsnet. Uh, besides that, uh, Raptors in seven, just quickly, it's going to be a uh, weekly newsletter. And I just wanted something, you know, with my Cricket Canada responsibilities and other stuff that I'll be juggling just somewhere where, I can write about the team in my own voice and be a bit more big picture as opposed to, you know, something daily where I'm looking at every game. I don't think we're uh, at, you know, a stage with the team where we need daily takeaways anyway. Uh, yeah, know, we don't need daily <laughs> takeaways on the team. Nah, we don't need those at all. In a written form. <laughs> <laughs> People like to listen. They don't like to read. That's what I've learned. That's a good point. That's a good point. It's a very <laughs> And good so, point. in a written form, I think weekly makes more sense. But people love to listen to your voice, so we will do that daily. I haven't figured out why that is yet, but it seems to be true. Uh, Big V, thanks so much for hanging, buddy. Everyone go subscribe to Raptors in 7 right now. Uh, you can find me, at Woodley Sean, on the Bad website. The show's on Instagram at Locked On Raptors. Join us in the Discord. Link in the description. It's free to join. Come hang out now, please. And uh, with that, we will leave you off, send you off into the rest of your Tuesday. We'll be back again on Wednesday with part two of our chat about the stuff we want to see from the Raptors down the stretch. It's all coming up tomorrow. In the meantime, have a wonderful rest of your day. Thanks for hanging. Bye-bye.